again, thank you so much, ladies and Brother Steve. Appreciate that here tonight. Appreciate everyone being here as we move on in Psalm 63 in uh, the overall title, I guess, for Psalm 63 would be Revival Anytime and Place. And tonight will be Revival Anytime and Place, part two, and we're going to still come out of Psalm 63, verse 1. And a lot in that verse, even if it's just a uh, couple of words that we lift out, but they're very meaningful. And I believe at the same time, they give us a background that's important as well. Because sometimes we think we are the only ones who are going through a hard time. Only ones going through, no one's been through what I'm going through right now. <laughs> uh, that's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that we would all have gone through anything that someone else hasn't gone through before us. And so, but it's easy. And I, I understand the, the, the mentality of it all. It just seems like when we're going through it, everybody else's life is uh, hitting on all cylinders and everything's going well for them. But we're the only ones that our engines are misfiring along the way there. And so we tend to have that little brief, hopefully just a brief pity party for ourselves. Until finally the Lord gets a hold of us and the Spirit gets a hold of us and says, you're not the first one. You're not the only one. And of course, anytime we see someone who really looks like they're dealing with some difficulties, then we should come alongside them, put an arm around them, and say, uh, "Is everything okay? And what can I? How can I? How can I pray for you and get through this?" And even if it's just uh, not an arm around them, but you send them a little note and say, "Listen, I noticed Sunday you look like you're a little bit off. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't mean off your rocker, but I mean a little bit off, uh, whatever, uh, along the way there, so that you might uh, just be an encouragement. Say, I just want you to know that I, I don't know. Maybe everything's okay. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just me. But I just want you to know I'm lifting you up this week before the Lord." You know, that's, that's tremendous an encouragement along the way, man. And uh, such, such as with Doug, you know, I mean, uh, it doesn't hurt for someone. I don't know if somebody's taking a card, send him a card, and just say, I was just thinking about you today, even Barbara Mallow, send her a card, send her, let her know that you're praying for her, because she can't really get out and have the company that she would normally have or go out and be with people that she would normally be because of the you know, certain her, uh, uh, her immune system is uh, somewhat compromised by the leukemia and the treatments that she's going through. So, you know, we can help. And, you know, that might be a revival for them. They may have been in the doldrums when they woke up that morning or through midday along the way there. And uh, they checked the mail and there's a card in there for you. And she said, I want you to know, think about you, praying for you today, uh, praying for God's blessing on your life. And, uh, you know, if you need to talk, give me a call. I'm, I'm available. You know, that's, that's what we do as, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that could spark a revival. That could be the one thing that says, you know what? I didn't read my Bible yesterday because I was really down on the Lord. But today... I'm getting back into the Bible along the way. Amen. So anyway, we're looking at verses, uh, Psalm 63, verse 1 for the most part. But, uh, uh, and it says here, uh, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Now, as I stated last week in our evening service, we do not have to wait until there is a regularly scheduled revival service to experience personal revival. When a, day, uh, when a day has been especially taxing or a week very trying, getting alone with God to refresh our souls is in order. And in this psalm, we can find a recipe, I believe, that will greatly help to restore our soul and our spirit. And so last Wednesday evening, we began this psalm by lifting out the, the first uh, step or the first uh, recipe or the first ingredient in the recipe. 
And it was chasing, and each one of them are going to be chasing after God, because that's what we need. We're supposed to be chasing after God, amen? Not that God's trying to run from us, but the idea is that we ourselves are in hot pursuit of a relationship with God, and not just a casual surface relationship, but an in-depth relationship, because that's what he wants to have with us. And you and I are the ones who keep stiff-arming them. When we decide we're not going to read our Bibles on a regular basis, we're not going to pray on a regular basis, and we're not going to fellowship with him on a regular basis, then that's stiff-arming him. It's kind of like running down the football field, and he's trying to tackle us and tell us a few things there, and we boom, give him one in the helmet and send him on his way somewhere, uh, if you would. And so it was chasing after God. Schedule a regular planned time to draw closer to God. Now, not everybody's schedule is the same. Some people work a late-night shift, and coming home in the morning, they're just ready to collapse and go to bed. Well, you know, at least when they rise, that would be an early time for them, or maybe late at night, or you can have it early in the morning, late at night, split your time with the Lord uh, on either time. <clears throat> But we said the key word that we looked at was early in that verse. It said early, early on. So which can be a challenge for some people. However, as challenging as it may be to rise up early, <clears throat> there is no better way to prepare and begin one's day than time with the Lord. More important than the first cup of coffee. Amen? Just drink a, a, a moxie before you go to bed at nighttime. You'll be caffeine set for the day anyway. So uh, when it comes right down to it. So, but, uh, you know, we, we can rush for that cup of coffee and sit down there and embrace that warm cup of coffee and kind of feel good about it and uh, then have our devotions. Uh, but, you know, how about you just grab your Bible first <clears throat> and say, you know what? I love my coffee. I love my caffeine. But I love my Bible more. And it's not that you can't have both at the same time. I'm not saying you can't. Now, I, I got to thinking when I, when I was getting ready for, to, for tonight's message, I was thinking of my, my, my great-uncle Woody, my great-uncle Woody Merrill. Now, my, I, I don't know when my great-grandfather passed away. I have no idea. I don't know if I even met him. But I did get to know my great-grandmother quite well for the first five, six, seven years that I lived up in, in Bridgeton because uh, my grandmother and my grandfather would go over to Conway and spend some time. And she always had a house full. Because she had 14 children, and several of them lived up on the road, just a couple of houses apart from where she was. And then, of course, there was uh, two, uh, two of her grandchildren, and a, a son and a daughter that actually lived in the house. And, of course, they, everybody, there was almost everybody in the brother was coming by there to stop in. But, um, uh, as I said, Woody, he, li uh, he lived with my aunt and, and both took care of my, my great-grandmother. And the house was always filled with people rising early or dropping in. Uh, we're talking about going back to the day when they had a cow and my uh, cousin Harry and he would go out there and he'd milk the cow, bring in the milk and my grandmother would let it set for a little bit and then she would skim it, save the cream and uh, put the rest in an ice box. Uh, she might have had a refrigerator, I don't know, but I, she might have had a, an ice box. An ice box is different than a refrigerator. We know that, right? So... <laughs> I know these young guys look at the preacher. I didn't realize you were that old. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm that old. I am that old here today. But anyway, uh, the house was filled with people. So rising early and dropping in sometimes, it was kind of difficult to be able to have your own personal time there. And so what my uncle Woody would do is he had a business across the street. He had a mechanic's garage, and uh, in his office uh, he had a you know typical mechanic's. Uh, uh, office in there and it had a closet in there and you've heard me mention it that oftentimes in fact uh, he, he'd, uh, he'd say if we happened to be staying overnight for whatever reason we'd be over, overnight at my great grandmother's he'd say Jimmy why don't you come on over and, and, and have some uh, devotional time with me over to the shop and after he did he'd go across the street go into his shop you know, open up the office go into the closet and he'd have his prayer time 
He wanted to make sure that he got his, his life started right. He wanted to make sure he got his business started right. And he spent time with the Lord. And, and he was quite successful as a, lay, as a layman within the church. Uh, and there are a number of people that were in the ministry because he was a good mentor. Uh, and uh, he had latent artwork, and he did shock artistry uh, within the church as well. So it was, he was a unique individual. But I believe that God blessed him because he wanted to make sure that the, 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 the biggest part of his day was, was uh, preceded by time alone with God. And so that brings us tonight to number two, is chase after God by using pain as a stepping stone. Uh, not something that we would care to do, but you know what? We live in a fallen world, and good people get cancer. Good people get leukemia. Good people have pain. Whether it's in the joints or arthritis or just plain getting old or maybe uh, who knows whatever, whatever it could be. It might be a, a long-term, short-term uh, pain. It may be uh, a debilitating pain. I'm thinking of, uh, of uh, Bonnie Ross and that they, I mean, being uh, as bedridden as she was, it, it, it was not comfortable by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, I, I remember Bob Charlton and others that, you know, maybe that's one of the most discouraging parts of, I don't want to say the discouraging, but I mean, I don't know if I have an adjective to describe it, but when people are going through things, like Bob Charlton went through the cancer issues, the bone cancer especially, extremely, excruciatingly painful, and uh, he, he refused to be overly medicated so he couldn't at least appreciate his wife and, and, and the day and, and his walk with the Lord, but he never cursed God. He never swore at God. And it gave a great opportunity for a great... Uh, uh, for a very pointed, actually, a very pointed uh, funeral message uh, concerning his testimony, especially to his children who were really back, backslidden from the Lord and away from God, and others as well. But chasing after God by using pain as a stepping stone, we see in verse 1, we see another statement where he uses my flesh. One of the greatest battles we will face every day is a battle of our flesh. Every day. Whether it's Shaking your fist at someone who just cut you off on the road. <laughs> or getting angry at a, at, a, at a foreman or a boss. Or getting mad at a spouse. Uh, whatever it might be uh, that we had to battle with our flesh to be able to do that 10 count and get our teeth and kind of get our composure and restored once again. But our flesh is the biggest. Biden is not our biggest problem. Amen? He's the problem. <laughs> our flesh is a bigger problem. Whether or not it is about getting up a little earlier or staying up late. We want to go to bed early and we want to stay in bed late. <laughs> and so we kind of figure, I'll, I'll do my best to get my devotionals. Well, no, God doesn't want our best necessarily. If we can do better, he wants better. And so whether it is about getting out to church when the home is warm and it is cold or wet and miserable outside and we want to stay under those comfy warm uh, covers and that's where a waterbed can be a real problem. But I don't, 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 I don't know if too many people have a waterbed. But they have a nice heater under the bladder. And it's nice and snugly warm when you look out the window and it's snowing or it's raining and you know it's chilly and stuff. And, and it's easy to kind of go, you know, oh, I'm going to take a few more of these in the morning. Or to want to get in there uh, early in the evening. Or if you're like us, we have a heating blanket. And we turn that thing on about 8 o'clock at night, and we turn it up about the setting number 9. And it's nice and toasty when you get in there. And then we end up kicking the covers all over the place anyway, so I don't know. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, lot of reasons. And, again, the, the flesh really doesn't want to be disciplined. I guess that's probably the best word we look at. The, the flesh just doesn't want to be disciplined. 
And so another thought I had was our feelings and emotions are a formidable foe when we are tired or not feeling all that well. Or we are responding to negative situations. I've, I've been in those situations when I ruptured appendix in the hospital for three weeks. Um, those first couple of weeks, it, I don't know, I, I probably had a lot of conversations with the Lord, but I don't remember reading my Bible and things that nature because the pain and what else you're all going through and the tests and one thing or another and uh, knowing that your wife's at home, it's winter time and the kids are at home, they got to get to school and all the, all the things that you're dealing with in there. Uh, so I, I realize how easy it is to get away from the things that you should do and you could be doing on a regular basis. And pain is one of those things, whether it's emotional uh, or just tired. But you know, Satan knows how to upset the apple cart. <laughs> Amen. He knows how to upset the apple cart and get us distracted or to get us depressed so that we don't want to do the things that we know that we should do. Physical or emotional pain can be a real hindrance to believers, which in turn can lead us to a state of depression or despair and stealing away any desire to meet with the Lord. Now, we'll sit there in a chair, we'll twiddle our thumbs and, 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 and stare off into nothing and maybe uh, these mental gymnastics back and forth and, and get absolutely nowhere rather than say, you know what, I need to spend some time in the Lord and have, have, use, use the Lord to get me out of this uh, by, by spending some time with him. Well, anyway, in this psalm, it would seem that not only does David thirst after the Lord, it appears there is something driving him to the Lord other than a natural desire that he would have had on a regular basis there. And so uh, as we pick up on, a, on, on several additional words in verse 1, such as my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. Now I don't know about you, but if, if you've ever been in a place where you're really, really, really thirsty and you don't have any access, it can be excruciatingly painful. Now, talking about the wilderness, I wasn't in all the wildernesses over there in Israel. The wife and I were, at least we were in En Gedi, where there was, where David did flee to, flee from Saul, and it was a very barren place. Uh, seasonally, you would get rains and waters would come down off the hills, but for the most of the year, it was pretty much just dry, sandy. In fact, we were over there, you looked at a lot of the vegetation there, and it really looked like it was dead. Uh, but there was a little creek that you didn't know about that was feeding off that little stream, and it was green there, and you go back there, and we said there was a pond as the water was coming out of the sandstone uh, hillside there, and it was, uh, there was a pond there. But if you're used to being in the comforts of Jerusalem, and now all of a sudden you're in a dry desert place, and your, your housing is a cave, I can't imagine that a cave is all that comfortable to sleep in. But anyway, the, the phrase here, a dry and thirsty land where no water is. And so there was that physical desire. We know what happened to the, the nation of Israel when they were wandering. They chided against God and Moses because they didn't have any water. And they were willing to throw it all away and go back to, Israel, or go back to Egypt where they had been in, in servitude there. And so dry and thirsty, the idea there was a drought faint, or he was exhausted. And I'm sure that he was exhausted. I believe he was exhausted mentally, emotionally, and I believe he was exhausted spiritually and even physically. 
So we can draw an inference here that there was little to no spiritual encouragement in that dry in that dry place. Certainly, I mean, there wasn't like David was traveling with the with the Pharisees or the Sadducees or any any uh, priests that were, were traveling with him. He had a merry band of six hundred rebel rousers and and women and so on. That's pretty what he had for company. So I'm I'm sure that he was probably spiritually taxed as well. And so, uh, whether it was an internal conflict or external, David was in need of a personal revival. He was thirsting for the Word of God. He was hungering for the fellowship with God. And, and though he could have it personally, it wasn't the same thing as being in a group of believers along the way. And so, and David does the most important thing that he can do in such a state. He turns to God, not from God, but to God, and he pours out his heart before God. So we should be aware that not all pain is physical. We can experience emotional pain as well, which is equally debilitating. I'll get it right. Debilitating, uh, and weighs heavy on us physically. And sometimes when people are sick and they're not feeling well, or maybe there is something that's causing a, a bodily pain, it wears on you. It wears you down. It wears you down mentally, emotionally. Physically, and it can wear you down spiritually. And again, I experienced that that time I was in the hospital uh, for three weeks uh, in the hospital. But I'm so thankful for a church that prayed, uh, for folks who visited, folks who prayed, uh, and, and so on there that actually was able to kind of get me back on top of things once again. So we need to take uh, those times very serious when people are going through some, some things there that we may not understand the fullness of the impact. But there's an impact one way or the other. Now, we don't need to presume by shoving it in their face there, but we can pray accordingly as we understand the, the human nature, how easy it is for us to get away from the things of the Lord. There are some heartaches and mental anguishes uh, that can be very draining, if you will. And so the wisdom and discernment in this psalm is that David doesn't get mad. Some people get mad at God. God, I didn't, I didn't ask this. I, didn't, I went to church every Sunday. I went to all the services. I tithed. I sang. I, I worked in the church. I, and, and we'll list before God all the things that we've done. And we're kind of like that Pharisee that was standing on the steps saying, Lord, I've done all these things. It was Sadducee, brother. These are all the things that I've done for you. And look at that, that sinner down there on the thingy there. Uh, and so we want to list before God all the reasons why we should be special or list all the things why we shouldn't have to endure anything. And that's not the case. So nonetheless... In some cases, in some instances, I think I just lost my place. Okay. Yeah, the wisdom and discernment in this time is that David doesn't get mad or walk away from God. He doesn't fault God, but uses his pain to drive him or to draw him towards God to be closer to God. We don't have to be on a mountaintop to draw God to us. We can draw God to us anytime we have the need for him to be close to us and us to him. And so... Uh, we have known the difficulties. Now I know why my uh, word processor flagged the word, the word no. <laughs> I, kept, I kept thinking, why is it flagging it? Why is it flagging it? And uh, I forgot the end. <laughs> so you have to laugh at yourself a little bit. Uh, so we have known the difficulties Rosa and Jim have, have had to endure. Uh, there was real physical pain involved, and it was, you know, the kind of pain they had was very debilitating. It almost seemed as if it was a hopeless situation, although uh, she trusted in God. 
and so did Jim. So real pain involved and still is. The move from years of built up friendships has been equally painful, taxing emotionally and financially to say the least. This is not how they had envisioned their golden years. But you know what? They have not lost their faith. Rather, they have turned to God, seeing the need to draw closer, ever closer to God, perhaps not so much for deliverance, but for endurance until God accomplishes his will and his purposes in their lives. Job was such an individual who suffered physically, and his search for both the why and for endurance drew him closer to God. Remembering an innocent David is running for his life from King Saul. The night stars are cold. The ground is hard. Oftentimes you wake up in the morning, probably would do on you, one thing or another. He has to forage for his food. God had many things for David to learn during those years. And the most important being that when trouble assails, run to God, not from God. And we may have to kind of run ourselves mentally through that, Lord, I don't want to run for you today. I want to run towards you. Reminding ourselves on a continual basis that that's what God wants. Sometimes he allows these things in our lives not to separate us from him, but to draw us closer to him. A greater dependency on him, if you will. And so we know that Job was declared... Uh, oh, let me go back here. One more. Uh, Joseph had a, a rough 20 years, did he not? God was his refuge through 20 years before God raised him to the second highest in the land. You think he would have made it if God was not his refuge? I don't think so. And sometimes we wonder why God isn't delivering us when we think he should. It's because he, he's not done with us. We haven't necessarily learned or come to that place where God can enact the second part, which is to deliver us for a specific purpose. And so Job was declared by God a righteous man, and yet he suffered physical affliction so that uh, God could prove a point to Satan and generations to follow, that God was his stay. He says in Job 23, 12, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of, the, of, of, of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And so tonight as we close, first... Chase after God by scheduling a time to meet with him daily. There is nothing more important that you and I will do in a daytime than to spend time with God. Other things are important, but not nearly as important. How many times have you found yourself in the middle of the day and things haven't gone too well? And you look back at the beginning of your day and say, mm, mm, mm. I didn't meet with the Lord this morning. Now, would things have gone awry in the afternoon? They may have but I believe you would have been better equipped to handle it. So chase after God by scheduling the time to meet with him daily. Secondly, chase after God by using pain as a stepping stone to a closer relationship. He's not trying to drive you. He's not always trying to punish us. But sometimes we, we, we will be the best witnesses we can possibly be when our faith does not waver, when we are suffering. And out of that, souls will get saved. Amen. What a great God we have. He can see things that we cannot, and we've got to trust him for all these things as well. All right. We got prayer time here tonight, and we're glad to have some.